listening to Grown Up and Grounded. This is Trish, and today Kate and I are excited to share a conversation we had with my friend Teresa. We wanted to have her on the show to share her experiences as a black woman and as a mother raising children in this America. We wanted to say Black Lives Matter. If that topic makes you uncomfortable, we ask you to please be open and listen to our conversation. And at the end of the episode, we'll include a resource where you can learn more and maybe understand why that topic makes you feel uncomfortable. Last but not least, we also wanted to say that we did social distance while recording this, and this was done via Skype. We hope you enjoy the episode. So, Teresa, we... I believe we met when I was in sales, right? Uh, selling aesthetics. No, you, right. You you were doing aesthetics still, and yeah. uh, we met actually through Lori Crete doing the sixty day challenge, and she recommended that we pair up and and get an accountability partner. Oh, okay. And so we all kind of kind of said, "Oh, is there anybody in my area?" And I I recall we I think we met we met at the Valley Cafe, which is near my spa. We went and had had breakfast that morning and, and talked. And, yeah. And uh, you had kind of decided at that point, maybe it wasn't for you. You were, you were kind of, I wasn't sure. Yeah. You were kind of teetering on it. And uh, you know, I think we, we were both kind of headed in opposite directions at that point, because I was kind of like, I'm giving it a hundred. This is my last shot. If it, you know, we were in the midst of a recession and I said, if it doesn't, if this doesn't work, then, you know, Hey, I'll fold up my, my, you know, my shingle and, and do something else. Um, but I threw it all in and, 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 and luckily for me, it did work out until recently. Uh, I, I was actually doing very, very well. Um, you have, the last you're, few years. you're a massage therapist yourself and an esthetician, right? And then your yes. studio is Pilates, massage and aesthetics. Right. And I teach Pilates as well. Yeah. So um, that's awesome. And I, I used to have a yoga instructor, but that, that class just kind of fell apart. And so it, it is no more, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I, I just, you know, I kind of went full tilt and, and I see you, you've done other, other successful endeavors. I'm, I'm jealous of all your trips to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, ever since I had a grandson, those have kind of, uh, all my money goes to visiting him cause he's in North Carolina. So I haven't been to Disneyland in a while, but I'm waiting for it to open back up again. I think I'm going to try to dart out there when it first opens, yes, just because not that many people will be there. Fingers crossed. Right. We'll see. <laughs> That's, that's the plan right now. Yeah. But Kate still goes constantly. So well, when it was open, I did. Yes. yes. Not yeah. not so much now. That has been a frequent topic that has come up in our podcast is Disneyland. Yes. <laughs> As always. <laughs> For sure. Are you still running? No, still I haven't been. No? I, you know, they stopped doing the Disney runs at Anaheim because the city wouldn't cooperate them with them shutting down the roads and stuff. So I haven't done any... Um, and, I was hoping to go to Florida and do one again, but I haven't yet, but I'm not running at all. <laughs> I mean, in Orange Theory, we run on the treadmill, but not like distance running. Right. It's just basics. So yeah, I need to get back into it. I keep saying I'm going to, but low priority. It's hard when you fall off the wagon to get back on. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really, you know, it's interesting that I actually sometimes miss it because I don't, I don't really enjoy it. It was just a challenge that I felt. I felt very good about myself when I did it because I didn't like it so much, if that makes sense. Um, yes. But yeah, I, so yeah, when I fall off the wagon, it, it, I do miss certain aspects of it, but it's also because I didn't enjoy it all that greatly. It's hard I'm to not, start again. It's hard to start again. I keep saying I'm going to do 5Ks, get back into 5Ks, but I haven't yet because that's, I think that's about how much I run in an Orange Theory class, about three miles. So I am. Well, that's about five k more miles than I can run. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I don't run the whole time. It's a running, walker, walking uh, endeavor. <laughs> I balance it out. I, I have dancers' knees, so if you, you know anything about dance, you know we have a lot of turnout. Yeah. So that means when running, it puts a lot of pressure on the outsides of your knees and becomes really painful. So yeah, running, running, not my friend. Um, never been on my, my list with them. Like, Hey, I'll come and cheer you on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's my job. That's it. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying both. No, I don't have a, a good reason like you do. I just don't like it. So I just don't do it. So I go and cheer. <laughs> I think that's a great reason. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Especially when it's at Disneyland, she's there. She's like, I'll be at Disneyland. Oh yeah. Any Disney run, I'll, I'll be there to cheer you on, but I, I won't be participating. <laughs> 
great plan. <laughs> so now yeah. I'm not sure, but I think that you grew up where you live now in that city. Is that right? Sort of. Um, I did go to high school here. I, uh, prior to that, I did grow up all around the Bay Area, um, which, which is a very different experience to, to here, to Fairfield. Um, uh, culturally, very different. Uh, I, I'm, I'm always surprised that people believe Fairfield to be very um, open because of the, the base and it's very diverse. And it's like, diversity doesn't always mean that people accept it. Right. Mm-hmm. Just, just because people are here doesn't mean that people accept them being here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it was a very, um, you know, growing up here, I always thought I was being punished because I thought, why would anyone move here? There's nothing here. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm so old that I can, you know, I remember there was no mall when yeah. I moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, there was JCPenney and across town there was Kmart and Thrifties. Um, and it was such culturally such a different world. I was so used to, you know, in the Bay Area, we had so much to do as a teenager, you know, things yeah. that kept us out of trouble. Um, you know, dances at the Boys and Girls Club. We had, you know, a roller rink. We had an ice skating rink. There were, you know, movie theaters. There were, you know, house parties. There were just so many things that kids could really go do every weekend and keep them out of trouble if, if that was, you know, because um, kids need to do stuff. I mean, sure. you, you can't just keep them locked up, which I think is probably really hard during this quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was a very different world, but, it, and I found the people here to be strange when I first moved here and I'm sure they found I was strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. So what, what prompted your family to move from the Bay area to, to Fairfield? Um, my mother and her boyfriend at the time, they, uh, I, I think, we're just kind of looking for a fresh start and, and to be able to, to, um, to, to get a little more than they were getting. Cause they, obviously the, even back then, um, you know, it was more expensive to live in the Bay area mm-hmm. than it was to live, to live here. Um, so that, that's, I, I guess that's what prompted the move. I, I wasn't, you know, privy to all of that other than it was like, Hey, we're moving. Yeah. And here I was. Yeah. yeah. We're going to punish you and move to a quiet little town. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have a daughter and a son and you said 21 and 24 yes i have a 24 year old son and a 21 year old daughter who who just moved out a week ago mm-hmm. so I'm a very very new very new empty nester um this is our second it's funny i don't feel like it yet because they've literally been here almost every day uh-huh. <laughs> except for like one day and even then i think they still both called me so, and facetime i actually have seen them more now that they don't live with me than i did when they lived here when they lived here they'd kind of come in and just go straight to their rooms and close the doors so yeah now i actually physically see them like they come and they sit and spend time and have so. conversations yeah it's different are like, they it's funny how that changes did they uh are they both going away to college? Is that why they moved out or just moved out to spread their wings or? Um, I think they just both moved out to spread their wings. Um, you know, my daughter was planning to move anyway. Um, and I knew she, she had actually been looking, you know, even in like Arizona and places like that. And I, I really didn't want her to be that far away to be right. very honest. Yeah. And so when my son was kind of like, gee, I'd kind of like to move, but I, you know, I know I would need a roommate. I just can't afford to do it by myself. And I went, Hey, you know, your sister's going to move her roommate. Her roommate situation fell apart. Maybe you should talk to your sister. <laughs> Good idea. Oh, that's kind of fun. So, yeah, I figured if I was going to lose them both anyway, at, at least I could keep them here in town. They're, they're literally, they live about less than 10 minutes from here. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> that's, that's, it's like a slow transition then. Yeah. It's perfect. It is. It is. I, I think it's, it's helpful for all. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm that weird mother who like, if I hit the lottery right now, I'd get a big, like some acres and I'd put three houses on it uh-huh. and we could all just still kind of live together, but apart. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that. I, I, that's my ideal situation with her for sure. <laughs> yeah. Down the street or something close, yeah. but the other girls are probably like as far away as I can be is yeah. better. I don't know. Becca, <laughs> Becca does keep talking about us moving in with them over in North Carolina, but I'm like, I'm not moving to North Carolina. <laughs> That's not happening. Talk about it, culture shock. I've, I've, I've been once to North Carolina when my son was there. It's, it's pretty. It um, is pretty. 
not not for me personally, but <laughs> yes, it's, it's pretty cool. And what about your husband? You are married, correct? I am married. How long have you been married? Um, um let's see. I'm trying to even remember how old I am. <laughs> well, we got married in '93. In April of '93. So, what's that make it? Do we have to count 2020? Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, that 20, doesn't count. 27 years. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, yeah, we were married, and this was our third year. Two. You were married 90. in '90. Were you married in '90? Oh, '90. That's right. Because <laughs> like, yeah, I was born in '91. So, <laughs> so it's, it backwards. It's 30 years this year for us. So close. About the same. Awesome. Wow. Congratulations. We kind of already discussed the like the dynamics of Fairfield. Uh, mm -hmm. and raising kids. So how did you find like raising your kids versus how you were? I raised my children very differently than, than I was personally raised. Um, you know, um, my upbringing was fairly abusive. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother was, my mother was very, very young. Let me start with, with that, that she mm -hmm. and my father were both in high school, their senior year when, when I popped up. Um, <laughs> And I, and I also was born during a time when um, you didn't see a lot of people who looked like me. My mm. race, being biracial was not the cool thing. It wasn't accepted. It wasn't, um, it was very out of the norm. So mm -hmm. I kind of really grew up in a, in a, many times in a no man's land. Because even to this day, even in 2020, I will have black people who will say to me, well, you're not really black, so you don't understand. Mm -hmm. I'm like... Sorry, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, they will string me up from a tree the same way as you. They don't care right. how, how brown I am, how, mm -hmm. how, what my percentage is. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I did, you know, growing up and surprisingly, even in the Bay Area, um, and Trish, I may have told you this story before, you know, when I was in the sixth grade, I have a sister who is six years younger than me. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, she was in kindergarten and, and we lived in an area in the Bay Area in San Pablo that was, you know, we were poor and my mom's a single mother, very, very diverse neighborhood. I mean, in this neighborhood we were living in, there were, you know, white people, Hispanic people, there were black people. The common thread was that we were all poor. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the little white kids in the neighborhood took it upon themselves to think it was funny to try to hang my sister from a Oof. tree. Fortunately, the little Hispanic kids saw what was coming and they came and ran and knocked on the door to come and get me, and I got so that, you know, my sister thankfully only ended up with rope burns on her oh neck. Oh my God. Um, but, but, you know, it, and it's funny, I always say the irony is that, is that uh, she has kind of lived in a more, uh, more of a, what I would say, a whitewashed world than, than I do. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because of what she looks like. We, you know, she is, a, she looks more Hispanic. She, you know, she, it, it is harder to tell that she is black mm -hmm. as it is with me. Um, and I think it, 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 it uh, swayed her maybe in a different direction. I don't know if some of those experiences shaped her into wanting to be more accepted mm -hmm. um, in that world because, you know, she, she felt like she wasn't, mm -hmm. um, I, I kind of grew up like I didn't care. I was, you know, I was just trying to survive our mother. I didn't care about, you know, who accepted me and who yeah. didn't. Sure. Um, so, you know, like raising my own children, I really came from the perspective of a, I would not, you know, I, I had been engaged. My husband and I were engaged for years before mm -hmm. we actually got married. Mm -hmm. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't really the kind that wanted to get married. Like mar marriage and kids was not on my radar, but he wanted to have children. And I said, well, okay, if you're going to force me to do this, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have conditions. You know? yeah. <laughs> a, I want to be married. B, I want to have a home and C, I want to have a car that doesn't scare me that it may break down at any point. Right. <laughs> Good conditions. Those are good <laughs> conditions, especially with children. Yeah. I mean, pretty basic, you know, kind of. You're not asking for the moon. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, you know, he met those requirements, and, and so there we were. And, and uh, <laughs> literally, I, 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 I used to joke that I, I probably shouldn't stare at any man too long because I get pregnant so easily. So, <laughs> um, and, and, uh, but I did. I grew up thinking that. I didn't really know what that looked like to, to have two parents who wanted you mm -hmm. and, 
So I just kind of looked at it from the perspective, I'm going to do the opposite of everything that happened to me. Mm -hmm. And I tried to make my kids understand that, yes, you are different than the people you are going to school with. Because we, we do, you know, our neighborhood, I, I'm not, you know, was fairly Caucasian. I, I think we were one, and when we first moved in here, there were, you could count on one hand how many black families mm-hmm. were in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think there may have been two Asian families. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, very Caucasian. So their school, you know, my son went to B. Gail Wilson and from kindergarten through fifth grade, the same 19 kids. Mm-hmm. He was one of three black kids, I think, in his class. Mm-hmm. My daughter grew up doing ballet. She started doing ballet at two, begged to do ballet just mm-hmm. before her third birthday. So again, very whitewashed world for her. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult because I had to maneuver from the perspective of how do I balance who they are with what they're seeing mm-hmm. and have them understand that it's like, yes, you can be a part of this world. Yes, you can do anything you want to do. You can be anything you want to be, but you are going to be perceived differently. Yeah. And you are going to, in order to excel, you can't be as good as that person. You have to be better right? Mm-hmm. to be perceived even as equal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was difficult. You know, I went through things with like my daughter. She wanted to straighten her hair because she didn't understand, like, you know, all the little white girls in ballet, they had the slick hair with the cute Mm. little buns. And she didn't, you know, her hair was curly. And, you know, I loved her little puff, but she did not love her puff. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I I started with, you know, um, like flat ironing her hair, just, you know, to straighten it, things like that. But it, it, you know, became not enough for her. And we went mm-hmm. through those kind of transitions. Um, even in, in ballet, very, you know, we were in places that were very racist. I mean, there was one company she was with in Vacaville that at 12 years old, she was dancing with the 17-year-olds, mm-hmm. but was never given parts in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I had to go and question, like, you're using her to demonstrate to your older students because she's so good. Mm-hmm. Right. But you're telling me you don't think you have a part for her in the show? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they're made. I said, but people who are beneath her, you've given them three parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't have one part for my daughter. Mm-hmm. So it was always kind of a fight. And, and it was it was hard to see that she eventually did give it up after after 12 or 13 years because she just was so broken mm-hmm. by the people who looked at her as, you know, she wasn't as beautiful because she wasn't blonde haired and blue eyed. Mm -hmm. Right. And she didn't fit their mold. Um, It didn't matter what she did. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter how good she was or how hard she tried. And, um, you know, my my son, it it seems for boys, it's it's a little bit easier, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, In in some ways, in some ways, during the, the younger transitions he played basketball during that time and he literally just, he got recruited, went to a high school and now very, very small school um, with only a hundred kids, kindergarten through 12th grade. Mm -hmm. And he was probably, I think there was one other black child in the whole school Mm -hmm. besides him. But because he was the basketball star and had all these accolades, he was treated very well, like very well. which I think is, is something we see even even in our sports culture now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we see athletes who are, you know, they're lauded and, and treated very well because of what they can do. Mm-hmm. Right. Just don't um, take a knee. Right. As long, as long as you don't kneel. As long as you're grateful <laughs> that we like you. We, we gave you all of this, right, is the mindset. I actually had a client say that exact thing to me. She yeah. was lucky I had just finished her extractions. <laughs> Wow. I mean, and, and, it, and it was so clearly think about terrible. your audience, though. Like, what goes through a person's head to say that? To, because just, that's what they really think. They think you should be grateful for the, what you have, what, just crazy. what you've been given. Crazy, what, crazy, it's crazy. not like they even question that that's a reality. I have a, right. another friend whose son goes to school with mostly white kids, and she said when they have sleepovers and stuff, she's had to sit him down and have the talk like, 
Like if you guys go out and go TPing or anything like that, you just need to really think about the fact that if something happens and you guys get in trouble, you are going to be singled out. Like she's really had to try to drill that into him that even though you think you're part of the same group, as soon as stuff goes down, you're not going to be part of the same group. It's all going to be different. So about at, like, like what age did those conversations, start? like at what age do, do they start to realize it? And it's not just, you know, you sort of trying to impress that on them. I don't, I don't know. Again, I think, you know, my kids have, have grown up in a very fortunate um, circumstance. Um, I think e- even, even though, even when the, there was a recession and things were very difficult for my husband and I, we didn't let that affect their lives mm-hmm. and their lives went on and mm-hmm. just as normal, they did all the things that they had done before. So I, I think, you know, for, from their perspective, I don't know that they even see things the way I would have. I, I think mm. they're, it's funny that they're just now kind of starting mm. to, in the last several years, um, starting to see things from a different perspective. And I think that they had made assumptions about some things, um, like my son recently, you know, he was obviously, like I said, was one one of two black kids in the entire school, and definitely the only one in high in the high school portion. Right. Mm-hmm. And so these are his, you know, his friends, and you know, he's been to their weddings. Now, you know, some of them are getting married, things like that. And when 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 everything came up, the whole all everything with with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and these things, he became really upset that because it was a Catholic school, very, very right-wing Catholic school, let me mm-hmm. put that there. Yeah. That they were silent. Not one of his friends spoke up and had anything to say mm-hmm. during that time, which was hurtful to him. Because when it came down to, you know, that, that something about abortion came up, they were, you know, they were outraged and, and you know, this and that. Right. And, and it's like, oh, so lives matter when they're on inside. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but a fully formed black person is murdered and yeah. you don't care and mm-hmm. you have nothing to say. And it, it made me a little sad for him because he recently, he just kind of said, he just kind of cut them all off, like every single one of them. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Um, and, and so now he's kind of floundering here at 24 with kind of like not having any friends now and uh, being in a quarantine. So it's like, where do you go make friends when right. you're in a quarantine, you know, where do you find new you can't friends? go to the bar because they're all shut down. <laughs> right, exactly. And and he's not that, and it's funny, neither of my kids are partiers. Yeah. Neither one. Um, they're, they're not like go out and party, kind of hang out at a bar kind of kids. So, um, so yeah, he's, it, it, it's funny. I, I, I told him, you know, we've talked about it and, and he did, he went to school in North Carolina for, for two years. Uh-huh. And uh, the hardest day of my life was the day, the day I had to leave him there because it was, you know, I know every mother gets emotional when they leave right. their, their child mm-hmm. at school. It was different for me because I was a black woman leaving my black child in the South. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified. Yeah. I cried the hardest I've ever cried in my life. And even now it makes me want to cry. And I'm so thankful that he, he, it was, it turned out to be a, a fine experience for him that no harm came to him. And, you know, and I reinforced with him, I said, look, I get it. You know, you've grown up in a very liberal California where you felt like you could say whatever you want, do whatever you want. You are in the South. Yeah. I said, if you get pulled over in a car with your friends, hands on the dashboard. Right. Do not reach for anything. I don't care if they tell you to get your driver's license out. You ask permission first and say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. I said, you be as polite as you can ever be. I said, and do not make any quick movements. Mm-hmm. Was that the first time you had to have that uh, police interaction conversation or had you had that had it for California as well? I, we had talked a bit about it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt even more strongly right. of course. At, at, that, at that point. Um, you know, again, I, I, you know, I didn't know how it was going to, to play out for him, mm-hmm. you know, being there. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, and I have, you know, a, a, friend, a high school friend who lives in North Carolina 
and she travels a lot for work. And she had just relayed a story to me where she had been in Alabama and she was in a restaurant and there were these people berating the server who was black and they were calling him the N-word and this and that. Mm -hmm. And she stepped in and a police officer came up to her and he said, you sit down and shut your mouth. This ain't California. Our niggers know their place here. Mm. Wow. It's crazy. So this was, this was all, you know, and I, and again, being, you know, I, this is not something new to me. This is not something that um, has ever, you know, gone away for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm used to being, you know, like I said, going shopping with my daughter in Walnut Creek. And guess what? They don't care if I've got a $1,200 purse and $1,100 shoes. Mm -hmm. These little women will clutch their little Michael Kors bag like I'm going to steal it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hon, it would take five of those for you to buy my purse. What do I want with your purse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it has been always my reality. So I'm not shocked right. by any of it. Is it hard? Like, I think we all have different conversations with our, our kids. And a lot of times they're just like, yeah, mom, I know. Yeah, mom, I know. Like, is it, is it, is it really hard to like impress upon your children? Like this is, this is a true reality or do they know it? Uh, you know, is it just inherent in their bones that they know that you mean it when you're, when it comes to those topics or do you have that same kind of anxiety that any parent does like with the, uh, in those conversations that your kids are just kind of like, yeah, I don't need to hear it. I, I think, I don't think I've, I've been that. I think I was probably more concerned about for myself, my daughter, who is actually a political science major. Good for her. Um, and she, she's, she's been, you know, kind of on this track for a while has, uh, seen the injustices for a while. I, I think the funniest thing, and we still laugh about it. Like she was in high school and we were watching something and she, and Malcolm, it was the Malcolm X or whatever. And she says, he's dead. I said, honey was dead before I was born. She says, how do I not know this? <laughs> and, and I said, it's, I said, because they will never ever teach you black history. It's true. You will never ever learn anything in school about black history. You have to go find that out for yourself. Mm -hmm. Or it's like the, the advanced classes, right? Like, oh, that, that's, that's right. an elective class. That's not, that's not part of the core curriculum, right? It's like, right. you've got that option. Multicultural studies yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And well, I mean, and it's I, funny you know, because, I, oh, speaking of Malcolm X, like, I remember when that movie came out, and I didn't go see it because at the time, my understanding of Malcolm X was all negative. Like, that, and so I... And I know, I don't know if you remember when that movie originally came out in theaters, like there were, uh, there were like some protests, there were some racial, uh, protests and, uh, maybe even some rioting outside of theaters or for whatever, or I don't know if the media was just saying that, but I remember just feeling like, oh, I'm not going to go see that. That's not for me. Like, I just didn't understand. Well, I, because I, 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 wasn't I wasn't taught. Yeah. Right. There, there was a certain amount of a media hype. Because the goal is to keep you afraid of me. Right. That is always the goal is to make you afraid of me. Cause you know, I am all of five foot two. <laughs> <laughs> I am a really intimidating figure, <laughs> especially when I'm wearing, you know, four inch heels. I'm very scary. <laughs> yeah. Then you're an inch taller than me. So it's terrible. That's right. That's right. Don't you forget it. <laughs> Can be taller than you at any time that I want to be. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, you know, and again, I, 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 you know, when you think back to, you know, everything that has happened, you know, politics and, and, and media, things like that, you know, when we refer to black people doing something with their, their thugs. Mm -hmm. um, and if a white kid does something, it's like, Oh, you know, mental, mentally ill, you know, he's, you know, he's, we need to get him help. He was bullied. You know, oh, right. He, somebody hurt his feelings and now he's got to go shoot up 20 kids at a school. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it's like, and, and, and it's, it's all very subtle, the, the, the microaggressions to, mm -hmm. to keep turning that knob of fear. And, you, you know, one of one of my longtime clients, and she's been a client for I've I've been in 
field for 17 years now, I think. And she's been with me most of that time. She started off as a Pilates person and, and then transitioned to doing other things with me when I started offering services. And she had made a comment and I kind of said, I had to stop her. I said, you know, I said, I don't think we should go down this path. She says, well, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to get a, your, because well, I said, okay, so you know, my, my, my stepson, I have a stepson who is six foot three, mm -hmm. very dark skin. I said, are you afraid of him? No, he is such a sweet, oh my God, he's just the sweetest young man. He's so polite. Blah, blah. I said, but if you didn't know him, would you be afraid of him? Because he's six, three and dark. Mm -hmm. She says, well, what? I said, no. I said, you would be mm -hmm. because you've been trained to be. I said, just like you're making assumptions about these other people that you don't know, that you have no, you, you've had no interaction with, but you are afraid because politically someone is telling you, you should be afraid of them. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they're, you know, they're, they're rapist and they're bad people and they're mm -hmm. coming to steal all your white women and, you know, <laughs> I don't know, eat your babies or something. I don't know. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. And I mean, that's definitely a political thing in order to control the masses, make them fear one another. It's, you know, the British did it throughout history. Every time they colonized, they would divide the groups. Um, white so, yeah. people invented that. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a, and it, right now it's just being ex exploited to the max. Pretty well, frustrating. I think the, funny thing, the funny thing is that if people, you know, learned anything about history, what they would learn is, is that originally, you know, obviously there were white slave serfs as there were black slaves. And they had at one point tried to combine forces mm -hmm. to fight the elites. And so the elite basically said, okay, what do we do about this? How do we keep them separate so they don't join forces? Basically, they said, well, yeah, you're poor and you're slaves, but you're better than them because you're white. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's where all this kind of comes from. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, we're, we're just as poor as they are, but, but we're mm -hmm. better because we're, we're white like the people who have money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so now we'll let and you vote. We'll give you one inch up. We'll let you vote. We'll mm -hmm. let you own land, right? If you and can, if you can get out, system. like gave that even if they weren't letting them own land, they were giving them the goal of owning land. So mm -hmm. right. it was an illusion of a superiority, right? And and it is it is the same even within the black community, um, which is why you know I run into interference from time to time. You know, it's the the light skinned against the dark skinned black people. Um, you know, that's how they divided us you know, during slavery, yeah. the lighter skin, more appealing, like you've got to be in the house and the darker skin, less appealing, had to be out and work hard in the fields, which, you know, obviously caused uh, tension right. for, for no reason other than, you know, birthright. Like none of us has any control over, well, I guess if you're a Jenner or a Kardashian, you have control <laughs> of what you look like, but uh, most of us, this is, you know, this is what we've got. And, and, uh, you know, even to this day, there is there is that angst amongst us where there's there's kind of a constant struggle um, about you know someone thinking someone is you know not black enough because you know there's obviously you're mixed with something or there's you've got some white in your family or something you're you know you couldn't understand because you're not dark skinned and like we're we're all in this together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter how, how light or how dark my skin is. We're all in this together. And until we can all start seeing past some of this division, there, there it will never, it will never work. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I feel like, you know, I don't, I don't know how to, how, I don't, I know in my lifetime, that's not going to change. Right. Yeah. So the thing. It, it's 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 really hard to think about and you have you see the same in feminism you know women can't all agree on how to treat other women and it, it's like the the uh, cultural status quo runs so deep in all the way that we've been 
wounded and injured comes out in so many different ways that it just keeps, we just allow them to keep dividing us Mm -hmm. different groups. You know, every minority group is divided somehow. Uh, So it's exhausting. (laughs) Yes. Very. Um, So that last question we really wanted to ask too, Mm -hmm. um, like obviously, you know, we've talked a, a little bit about, you know, or sort of danced around maybe what makes, what it might have been different. What might have been different for you raising children versus a, a white mother, right? Um, so I'm sure that there are a lot of people with privilege who maybe don't get to look outside of that bubble for themselves, white people in particular. So if you could sort of maybe, I don't know how to give us some word. insight. Yeah, like get, like give give some insight into what you think some of the biggest differences would be, or. Um, how to really verbalize those differences maybe because I know a lot of it is hard to describe right um I don't feel like I'm asking this right but no I mean I I think for sure right off the top I always hear about that conversation that we already talked about where you have to teach your children if they get pulled over like here are the do's and don'ts to stay alive not just to stay safe but to stay alive and white people don't really have that conversation with their kids is there anything else that kind of comes to mind and, and and what makes it different um, or what you would I want think, white women raising kids to know about the differences? I think, too, I think a, a, a big thing is um, they don't understand the the pain that cultural appropriation creates as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that when you steal things from our culture, but then tell us that they're ghetto, is is difficult mm-hmm. you know it's like if i go get my hair braided in cornrows i'm ghetto if a white woman does it it's exotic it's chic mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's like it's new Ooh, this new exotic chic uh thing and, and i i think the thing that that is also difficult as as a black mother is that you know black women are we are the lowest thing on any totem pole there's nothing lower than us mm-hmm. because, and I've had this discussion in groups that of, of black people where you don't hear white men say, oh, I won't date white women because their lips are too thin mm-hmm. or their, you know, butts aren't big enough. You won't <laughs> hear Asian men saying, oh, I'm not dating Asian women because, you know, they're too skanky. You won't hear Hispanic men saying, oh, I don't like Hispanic women because, you know, they're, they're too angry, but you will definitely hear black men say it. And that's, and that's hard. And that's, it, it is, so it's like, not only do we get slammed by white men, white women, but we also get slammed by black men. Mm-hmm. And we're mm-hmm. also the most probably sexualized women from the time we're very, very young. Um, it, you know, it's kind of, it, it's, it's, a, it's such a difficult line to explain, um, you, you know, I know for myself, I developed at a very early age, mm-hmm. at 11. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I never even, I, I wasn't even allowed to wear makeup until I was 16. Mm-hmm. So here I was, you know, boobs, a butt, but ponytails. Mm-hmm. And adult men were trying to hit on me. Yeah. Like if I went to the mall with my friends, you know, we went to go see a movie and then maybe we went to go, you know, get something to eat in there afterwards or go to the, the record store. You know what I'm talking about. You know, I, grown men were, were treating me like I was an adult woman. And I, you know, I, I think for me personally, it caused me to be very guarded about what I looked like for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I always say cancer kind of opened my eyes because I didn't appreciate what I had until they took it away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I look back and I, and I think about how even on one of our first break, on our first vacation, my husband, and I took together, he had to force me to buy a bikini because I had never worn a bikini. Yeah. Hmm. Because it was just, it was like, no, because men will stare at me and that, 
and I had, you know, it was assumed that I was this wild child. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that I've seen white women kind of perpetuate that as well, that because, you know, maybe because you've got a, you know, you've got a, a, a round butt or because you already have breasts or mm -hmm. this and that, that somehow your, your child is, is, uh, you know, my, my child will be wild compared to, to theirs. Um, but all of her friends were doing all these things, but, and I, and I think there was a time when they, but they thought it would be her that was the one that was instigating mm -hmm. these sort of things. And, and nothing was further from the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, she, she, you know, I, I will say my daughter says, you know, I, I was very strict in comparison to all of her white counterparts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do you, because it sounds like you already had a, a pretty good grip on how you were dealing with racism because you had started encountering it so young, but how do you equip your children to deal with that? Especially if they're not really having to deal with it at such a young age. Um, I think that for me, I, I just kind of always instilled, like I always told my daughter, my, my, it's funny, my, my husband and I just kind of had a little bit of a conversation about this. There was somebody who used to be a friend of mine who made a comment about my daughter when she was very, very young. Mm -hmm. And my daughter was very silly when she was young. You know, she was kind of like the class cut up. You know, she always wanted to make people laugh and smile. She was just, she was just such a happy girl. And, and uh, you know, this friend kind of made a comment about her appearance. And I always told my daughter, even when we were young, I said, never let anybody tell you you're pretty for a black girl. Mm -hmm. I said, no, you're a beautiful girl, period. Mm -hmm. Right. You're a beautiful girl. Doesn't matter what color you are. And I don't care who they put you up against. You're a beautiful girl. Right. Mm -hmm. Point. You know, period. And I think my, it, with my son, you know, he was always so easygoing and just kind of relaxed and kind of, you know, almost to a point of being comatose at times. Like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, and he was always very likable. And, and I, I, you know, I just think I, I taught my kids to, you know, A, I try to instill some old fashioned values in, in like being polite. I've, I've, taught, I've tried to teach them. It's like, you know, yes, be polite, be a good person, but also be ready to stand up for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like, don't ever let anyone just steamroll over you. Don't ever think it's okay, let someone think it's okay for them to say something just because they're your friend mm -hmm. or, or pretending to be your friend. Um, so I, 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 and I, you know, I think that's, that's kind of it. You know, I, I, I listened to a client who is Asian talk about her husband who is also Asian, who lives in a very, very Caucasian world where I think they're probably the only Asians in their group. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his so-called friends, joke about him and one other guy who is in talk, call them Harold and Kumar. Mm. And I was like, and your husband finds this entertaining. Like he's okay with that. Like, like, Oh wow. Okay. Well, she says, yeah, I'm not okay with it, but, but he is. And I'm like, okay. I, was like, I mean, I don't even know what to say to that. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, it's thought that a lot of people are trained with, I uh, raised with, and I think sometimes Asians are too, is like, just don't make waves. Like mm -hmm. just, just, and so depending on how old he is, that might be just what he, he was taught. Just like, just laugh along and don't make waves. Yeah. Let everyone accept you. My daughter is very much a wake, make waves kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's, I feel like that's what we need more of though. Right. Like we, that's, yes. that's especially with the very fragile place our country is in right now in particular we need more people who aren't afraid to speak up for themselves and make waves and clearly that lesson was driven home because like you said your son wasn't too afraid of cutting those people out of his life even if it meant he he didn't have very many friends left um right. that's that's a hard decision that's a hard thing to do at 24. But, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, oh absolutely. I, I don't know if i would have been able to make the same decision so great you know, for him, I mean, that's unfortunate, of course, if he had to, yeah. but how good that those lessons really were driven home in your children. Clearly you did a great job. 
Yeah, well, there's two things about that, though, right? Like, that that's good, but then also, I feel like, I don't know, for me, just, like, listening to it also makes me stressed about, like, like teaching them that line. Like, that's fine with everybody, except for when you're pulled over by the police. Like, you know, like, it's just kind mm, of, right. is it is this such a fine line? <sighs> I don't know. I can't that's imagine yeah. the, the Speak up for yourself, well, but yeah. unless you're going to get killed, then... Right, and I and I think they they're very they're very cognizant of that that distinction between those those two you know uh, places and uh, you, you know you're right I I think it was it was probably easier for him because they've seen me do it because I'm very much a I, I'm 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 a very I always have a very open book kind of person and you know I would always tell my friends it's like okay so do you want me to listen to you. Do you want me to give you some sugar-coated advice, or do you want me to give you my my real advice? <laughs> oh, that's okay. I will she it. wants me to ask. I just give my real advice. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, teach I don't her give that, you please. No chaser. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Oh, this is goodness. how I am. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. And I and I and I get it. That's not for everyone. There are some people who can't handle that. That you know, brutal honesty, like, and so I ask people now, I'm like, you know, cause I've learned from, from being young that, that <laughs> not everyone took that well. Um, you know, it was, it was difficult for people. And, and, you know, I've always kind of said, I, I can forgive most things. There, there are very few things that, that I, I am not a forgiving person of. Um, number one is being a liar. Like I can't forgive a liar. Yeah. And, and, num and number two, uh, disloyalty. Because if, 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 if I claim you as a friend, there is nothing within reason you can't ask me to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll say, Trish, are we going to do jail time for this? Or what, yeah. what's up, girl? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like we need to hang out more. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. I'm down. I just want to know, like, do I need a lawyer? Where are we going here. with this? <laughs> You know, because that's the kind of friend that I am. And when you show me that you don't appreciate that, that that's not what you wanted, I have no problem saying goodbye. Yeah. And I and I and won't look back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and I've had some people in my life that I, I've had to to cut out in that way, and, and it was hurtful. People who I considered like family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And. But I believe people when they show me who they are. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I have people who I always say I'm, I'm, a, I'm like an extroverted introvert. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I'm, if I don't know you, I'm very quiet. And I, cause I'm really just sitting back. I want to see who you are. Observing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to know who you are before I invest anything. It's like, you may not be someone I want to invest that time in. I, I'm like, why am I going to do this? If, if, if you're a nutbag, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I, I kind of sit back one-on-one. -on -one, once I know you, you obviously, as you can see, you can't shut me up. I know one time we got into a conversation on Facebook um about people touching your hair and I'm just still I yes. still it's still shocking to me that this is still a thing because I would never go up to someone and touch their hair no matter what their hair looked like or what color they were so it's always dumbfounded that people would just do it without like it's bad enough that you would ask but like without asking to just like break that boundary mm -hmm. yeah it's very demeaning it's very demeaning um and I, I had a renter up, up until about a year ago, and I, and I had to finally ask her to leave. On her first day there, that was one of the first things she did. She just, you know, I came out of my room, and she just reached, she was like, oh my gosh, your hair, and just reached out and like felt the need to touch. And I went, whoa, no, hold on, hold on. Yeah, that's <laughs> just not a thing it's to do. It's so no, crazy no, no. to me that people do like, that. Like, I, I'm I like, would you never know, do that to anyone. I would say your hair looks beautiful or I love your hair or I wish I could get my hair like that. Like, I've said that before. I'm trying to think more. I like sure. the color. But to just, like, touch someone else's hair, it's just such a boundary to me. Like, it's, it's my right. I mean, it's not. It, it, I'm, I'm, I don't know, but I would imagine it makes you feel like they think you're like a doll. Like, a, like an like object. So, yeah. Exactly. Right, right. It's right. dehumanizing. You're, being, it, it's, it's, you're no longer a person. 
That's yeah. exactly how it feels. It's very dehumanizing yeah. because you are not being treated as a person. Like you wouldn't even just reach down and pet someone's dog without, you know, well, letting the dog see I your hand. <laughs> if the dog ran up to me, I might, but that's different. But I do, I do usually ask no, if I, mean, I can You pet. at least let the dog sniff your hand first. So even the dog is giving you permission. True. That's, that's true. true. You do the little, mm -hmm. yeah. the, the greeting. Yeah. But here I am a fully formed human being and people think, oh, it's okay. And I'm like, no, not okay. Yeah. Not okay. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Like I said, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very strange thing, you know, like I've even had clients who, who've been clients for years and it was so funny. I, you know, I, I have to dye my hair pretty regularly because I've been, I started turning gray at 25 or 26. Oh, wow. uh -huh. Yeah. Everyone in my family prematurely gray on my mother's side. Mm -hmm. So she gave me two things, long hair and gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> And I think there was a day I was letting, you know, my, I hadn't colored it because I literally colored every other week and I hadn't colored it. And she was like, huh? And I said, what's up? She was like, she says, so I don't, she says, you know, I, I, I really, I always think your, your, your extensions are so pretty, but I know you have some gray. How do you attach them? And the gray still shows. I said, because they're not extensions. <laughs> I was like, black people can grow hair. <laughs> we, can, yeah. we can grow long hair too yeah oh so she just thought you couldn't grow long hair like at all right yeah I, I wow. like yeah it's 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 kind of a common misconception but yeah we can we can grow long hair it's just all genetics um, right i mean it's like the same as yeah any it, just, it depends on but your people gene. just don't understand clearly yes, it's, it's, <laughs> clearly people don't understand it's mind-blowing to me well and i think some of that too is I know Becca said, uh, my youngest daughter, when she was pregnant in the South, that people were always coming up to her and touching her belly and touching the baby. And she was always like, whoa, back away. Right. But like in the South, they just take those liberties and think it's being friendly. And I, and she was just like, I don't like people touching my baby or my belly without, like, I don't know you, strangers yeah. in a grocery store. Bodily autonomy, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no different than what if I was to walk up to you and go, wow, Trish, nice breasts. I know. <laughs> would, would that, you know I mean, would that be acceptable? It's, no. it's, it's, it's an invasion of your personal space. Yeah. I, yeah, true. I don't know. I know people did it. I've, cause I've thought about this before and I don't, I, well, first I don't think any strangers ever just touched my stomach, but I don't know. I guess maybe because I was rubbing it, other people, I don't know. It never, I know that it happened. And at the time, I, I mean, I've come a long way. But yeah, I think at the time, I was just it was like, a long yeah. time ago, though. That you were it's true. Last time I had a baby was a long time. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. So I don't know. I just, I just thought people get weird when you're pregnant. I, you know, they feel the need to say weird things to you and, and, and touch you. And, and I always wondered, I'm like, does this happen to, to white women when they're pregnant? Do people feel the need to say mean things to them? I, I mean, I had a woman say something to me about my shoes once. And, you know, when, when we used to have a pier one here and, you know, and I'll, and I'll be like, I wear heels, period. I uh -huh. wear heels. So I wear flat shoes when I work. Uh -huh. When I work, when I work out, I wear flat shoes. The rest of the time, I don't buy flat shoes. So during my pregnancy, I wore heels. Uh -huh. My doctor didn't have an issue with it. I didn't have an issue with it. And I was there and this woman, she was like, just walks up to me randomly and says, you know, you should not be doing that. And that's, you know, those heels are really bad. And you're going to have varicose veins. And I went, <laughs> oh my God, Linda, I meant to call you the other day because I was going to ask you about that one. She was like, excuse me. I said, exactly. You don't know me. Get out of my head. <laughs> That's insane. But I think people do definitely do that. When you're pregnant, I think they think they can tell you what's right or wrong, you know, how you're behaving, it's if you should or shouldn't be doing. It has to be worse for a black woman, though. Like, oh, yeah, just, for there's sure. There's no question. Like, everything else is already worse, so of course that would be, too. I'm sure. Yeah. Tons of unsolicited advice, and I just thought, wow, I'm just out here trying to live my life. Like, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. Man. People are crazy. Well, is there anything else? Uh, I think we've taken up enough time. Anything else you want to close on or a message for any listeners? Um, I just hope that uh, more people will, will stay open to the conversation and um, realize that, you know, all of us are, are born or, or not born with, but, but are, come into a world where we're, we're going to be given certain biases. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I know for me, the bias was to, to not trust white people. That, that was how I grew up to not ever trust you mm -hmm. because, and I, and I have to say, there've been a fair number of them that have proven that right for me. Right. <laughs> for sure. um, you know, and, and, but, it, but I, but, but thankfully, and what I try to instill in my children is you have to meet people where they are and you have to judge each person on that person. You need to get to know who that person is and get to know their heart and where their intention is, is coming from, you know, is there, you know, I, I was having this conversation that I said, you know, you can't go attacking someone because they're not helping in the way that you think they should help instead of attacking them, maybe give them a different solution. Maybe mm -hmm. say, hey, you know, because I said, you have to understand, I was telling this to my niece. She's, you know, again, she looks like a white girl, but she's not. Mm -hmm. And she's very like, you know, she's very angry right now. She's, she's angry about Kamala Harris being the vice presidential candidate. She's mm -hmm. very angry about all these things. And I said, you know, instead of always coming from the negative place, I said, people can't see things that, that is not their reality. Mm -hmm. My reality is not your reality. So you're going to see things in a different way than I do. Yeah. And not that it's necessarily my, I don't feel like it's my job to change your mind, but if you're asking the question, I do feel like, why shouldn't I help you see it from a different point of view. So maybe you will come to a different conclusion than you may have come to. Mm -hmm. Right. And that to, to help make you a better ally, mm -hmm. because it only, it only is advantageous to me to have you on my side right. instead of against me. So, you know, I, I try, I try to, to come from a better place to come from, um, a place of understanding and love. I don't always, I don't always succeed. Sometimes I'm angry and sometimes I lash out as, you know, as I am human as, as anyone else. And there are times that I'm just like, you know what, screw you. I'm, you know, shut up <laughs> somewhere. I'm sick of hearing your, you know, your racist BS. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, don't put a question out there if you don't really want an answer, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it was how, was how I was kind of feeling about something. And, and I think that's how I, I think that's how I've been feeling about a lot of people is that don't don't put something out there if you don't really want an answer to it. Right. If you genuinely want an answer, I, I'm happy to have a conversation with you. And we may not even always agree, even still. And right. that's okay. It's okay for us not to agree on every point. I can still care about you and you can still be my friend, and we don't have to see eye to eye on everything. Mm -hmm. But at least we should be open to to listening to each other and and finding out how we how we both came to to where we are and the place that, that we're in. I so appreciate the two of you and 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 uh, your, your willingness and openness to to listening to things that I've had to say and and my, my personal reality, obviously, I can't speak for every, you know, black person right. in the nation. Of course. Um, I can only speak from my perspective and mm -hmm. for myself. Um, but I do appreciate when, when I do see people who I feel have, have a good heart mm -hmm. and, and coming from a, a loving place of wanting to understand it. And what I think we should all aspire to is just to, to be better people. Yeah. I mean, I, I try, I try each day to, to be a better person. I don't always succeed, but, <laughs> but I, but I try yeah. and it would be nice if others were willing to, to try. <laughs> yeah. We're, oh and we're, we're trying to stay hopeful that, you know, yeah. maybe some things will change. I think it's going to still a long road, but at least people are talking about change. So that's different than before. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So that feels good yeah. on some level, but it's a roller coaster. I think, I think people have to stop being afraid of the protest because unfor the, the unfortunate reality is, is if you look through history, yeah, there is no change without the fight, without without the struggle. I mean, what do they think the Civil War was about? It was a fight. Right. It was a fight. People died. 
you know, or even the Revolutionary and, War, like people, the was, Revolutionary War, the Tea thing. Party, you know, rebels, like, yeah. right? People, people protested, people fought, people died. Yeah. It is a part of the process, and I, I think we're we're in such where everybody's so afraid of being uncomfortable. You yeah. know, it's like it's uncomfortable. Right. These conversations can be uncomfortable. It's sometimes it's hard to look in the mirror. Yeah. And, but, but sure. it, you know, you, you can't change anything without that. Mm -hmm. you, you have mm -hmm. to have those moments. And, you know, I, I, I wish I could have been a part of the protest. I'm immune compromised, having had cancer twice, so I wasn't. And, and with the quarantine, I just wasn't, I just couldn't afford to physically put myself out there. But, but I support it in other ways. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't understand the people who are just so angry about these the protests and and uh you know even though i believe most of them to be peaceful right i think that the way to understand why people are angry about the process is you just have to assume that they're watching uh media stations that are portraying it in a way that they should that they should feel angry and that's what they're reacting to mm -hmm. unfortunately mm -hmm. that's where we are can you I just call the it a unfortunate like it, it feels like more than a microaggression. Yeah. It feels like just straight up aggression at this point. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah, it's, it's straight aggression. And I and it's funny. I just recently heard that a particular news station is the number one station, period, of all stations, not just news, the number one watch station right now. See that fact makes me lose hope. <laughs> that, that's emotional. The hope roller coaster is 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 a big one. It has some pretty big high moments and some pretty big yeah. uh, deep drops. <laughs> I, I just heard this a couple of days ago and, and, and it, it, it frightened me. It, it really, it, it frightened me that people are just so easily led and swayed. It is um, possible you know, that some people listen because they want to know what it's saying uh, as comparison to their beliefs. It, I mean, that is possible. It's also possible that the, that the people Recording. That. I don't. I don't want to. No, no, no. I don't want to say. I'm going to say it. You're probably going to edit it out. But the people with common sense have just stopped watching cable and are just fully on Netflix and other streaming services. Oh yeah, so that, I, I can't so watch news anymore. It's, it's just the number one station yeah, by I don't default. Watch news. Like the rest <laughs> of us true. have just left. Everybody that cares has just stopped <laughs> watching just, news altogether. We can't altogether. do it. We're not watching t live TV. It's too stressful. We're just going to watch Netflix and be done well, with yeah, it. Yeah, the media is making yeah. everything worse. Like stop. Oh yeah, I'm I, I'm definitely watching more streamed TV. And yeah. even commercials just make me angry right now. I mean, I, I have to do streaming. I can't do anything else. Yeah, it's pretty hard. Yeah. Oh. But I think that's I think that's an important and very valid thing to do. I mean, you know, because the 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 goal is to keep us all angry all the time. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and it's just it's not it's not good for your your mental health. It's not good for your physical health. And, and I think at some points, you, you know, you do, you have to just step away mm -hmm. and, and say, you know, this is enough for now. I, mm -hmm. I need to um, take care of me and I need to take care of my, my mental well-being, um, especially knowing what we know about, you know, the trolls and the bots and, right. and uh, oh, geez, yeah. I mean, I've been in. I, I mean, I've seen some of the weirdest thing, like groups that are about selling goods on the marketplace and people put in these weird threads in there. I'm like, what is this even on here? I was like, are you selling something? Yeah. Like, are, are you selling the racism? I don't think you need to sell it because people take it for free. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah for sure. And I'm thinking, why yeah. is the administrator allowing this to be in this group even? Yeah for people to comment on because it has nothing to do with anything. And I would always, I always say, I'll jump in and go, Notice how the person who posted this has not said anything else, and it's all of you mm -hmm. yeah. making the comments yeah. now. They've done exactly what they intended to do. It's very true. It's true. They they came in, they threw something in, and now you're stirring the pot. Mm -hmm. Right. So, 100%. you know, it's it's and I and I wish we didn't. I, I wish people didn't feel like they had to be there. I wish it didn't always have to feel like us against them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I. I you know, I, I, I think especially now when, when we're all, you know, quarantined our houses that, uh, we could come, come together and, and 
figure figure this thing out like you know figure out how to to coexist mm-hmm. and and uh, re- get rid of some of the anger yeah it's just it's just overwhelming the 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 anger and hatred that is kind of spewed all the time mm-hmm. yeah Very it's true. constant and it's hard to know how much of it's real and how much of it is just like trolls promoting anger like it, it gets mm-hmm. really why well, you just have to kind of look at it with just a yeah. little a grain of salt too very true well thank you so much for your time yes thank you um, I think it was a wonderful conversation and I forgot to even mention that you were a a double cancer survivor and congratulations on that we're happy you're still here and healthy thank you for all your insights that was fantastic it was it was great thanks Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule (laughs) bye Bye. oh yeah I know (laughs) closet organization (laughs) yeah exactly okay bye if you like Grown Up and Grounded, please leave us a review on whatever platform you're using. This will help other people find our podcast. As always, we want to give a big shout out to Dave Depper, who provides the music we use in our episodes. The song you're listening to is titled Can Can 2, and we got it from the Free Music Archive. You can check out Dave at davedepper.com. A great website for finding more information about racial equity is racialequitytools.org. From reading lists to understanding where to begin and how to be an ally, it has several resources available for everyone. Check them out.